Some lady was liking our posts on the Club Good Instagram page. She's messaged me. She works for uh, Warner Brothers <laughs> to apply for like a married at first sight. There is no fucking way on earth I'd do that. What would my title be? You'd be like Rant Man. <laughs> Rant, Rant Man. <laughs> Club a good. Scott Meller. What's going on? Did you re- realize that last one, I think, was our 30th episode? Oh, really? It was, yeah. We just skimmed past it. Just happens. We're on a good roll now. It is. Yeah. We're at 31. That's like very, we're approaching 33.3% of 100. <laughs> I've seen some other people that have been doing stuff for a while and they're like deep in the game. I've seen uh, Chris Whitey and that just did their 200. Really? Mm. Well, I thought they'd have more than that by now, to be honest, but um, I did the same. I was in the car. I was watching, listening to um, our Lord and Saviour, Joe Rogan, <laughs> and it was like 1,820. And That's I was fucking crazy. thinking in my head, how the fuck can you have that many conversations and still like vibe it, you know? Well, you need to think if you were doing if you were doing one a week, then that's only fifty two a year. It's some very astute, yeah, some real maths I've got going on. on. I thought you were pausing to, <laughs> to check my maths on that. So, like, yeah, you got to be doing that shit for four years to get two hundred. Yeah, that's true. So, what is eighteen hundred and twenty, Scott? Quick maths. Jesus Christ, these guys are doing that shit every day. <laughs> two plus two is four. Minus one, that's three quick maps. <laughs> Not the lyric. Fuck, Big Shaq, man. What happened to him? The meme. The meme lord. Fuck, the- I'm so sick of doing this fucking camera switching. It's killing me. Yeah, look, um, we have been betrayed <laughs> by young Tony. We have. He's cheating on us with Thailand. And um, he's lucky he's decided to stay because it, he wouldn't be invited back here. <laughs> Do you see he messaged us about um, he was in Thailand with a couple of Australians and they were like, talk, they were talking, that they listened to the podcast and then he sort of mentioned something and they were like, are you young, Tony? <laughs> That's so good, eh? <laughs> Out there in the wilderness just getting spotted. He hasn't even like really been on either. No, no. That's this is the power of the fucking podcast, bro. <laughs> Multinational, international, global. <laughs> Shit is crazy. <laughs> Man, speaking of it, I'm because I I leave Monday week, so thank God I'm off. I decided I was flying to um, London. Well, I am flying to London, but my cousin, I'm staying with my cousin in Shoreditch, like a Shoreditch sort of area. Um, but he's away in Sardinia on holiday for the first first like six days. So he was like, they've got someone house sitting, so they got pets and stuff like that. So he's like, just get an Airbnb. And I have one lined up that was really good, but they cancelled on me. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably saw your uh, poor reviews. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, no, we decided to stay. And I was like, okay, uh, stay for the summer. So I was like, that's fine. And I was looking for another. It is so expensive to get accommodation in London. It's absolutely insane. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to take five days off. I'm just going to Barcelona. Oh, fuck yeah. Barcelona yeah. is a great spot. But I'm thinking about doing a um, oh, dopamine <laughs> detox. Oh, yeah. For okay. that five days because it's something I probably need to do anyway because I've gotten way too addicted to scrolling on my phone. I feel like, like you need way more than five days, though. For yeah, well, I was watching some stuff on it yesterday and it will be an interesting thing to do and a quite an easy thing to do because there's a lot of stimulation there anyway. I think I'm just going to get like a moped. I've got a hotel like right on the beach. 
Hotels are cheaper than Airbnbs now. It's crazy. And take an actual camera instead of like being 10 minutes yeah. phone. The deal will be like I can check my phone for messages and stuff like that, but I'm just not going to be on, on the apps like that. No YouTube, no podcast, no... No jerking off. Five days. You sure you can handle it? (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Speaking of weird wanks, some lady was liking our posts on the Club Good Instagram page, and then she added my personal page, and she liked that that (laughs) reel of me just going ham on- The Kelm Scott rant, yeah. Noxious cunt. She's messaged me. She works for uh, Warner Brothers- (laughs) To apply for like a married at first sight, but it's for people who have been divorced or engaged and had it broken off. Did she assume that you'd been engaged? I should have really pushed back on her and been like, did you assume my marital status? No, she was actually quite nice. She was like, look, I don't know what your situation is, but would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, look, never been married and I've never been engaged, so I'm not really your target market, but thank you so much for for reaching out regardless. Even if I was, there is no fucking way on earth I'd do that. It's literal suicide. What are they going to dig up on me? (laughs) And it's not just them. I know a couple of people that have been on those shows and if it catches on and he's in the sort of zeitgeist, the magazines and the websites and anyone that's a content whore, which is pretty much everyone, is looking for the scoop. So, it used to be like new idea and stuff like that. But now it's like BuzzFeed and stuff like that. Or even worse, there's like a an Instagram, I want to say like Daily Tea or some shit. Why is gossip now referred to as tea? I think it was the meme with Kermit sipping the tea. Yeah, but that was like, was none of my business. Yeah, true. But they seem to make it a lot about their business. <laughs> and there's a chick on there who's just basically tasked with destroying anyone's reputation that goes on these shows if they even have a slight whiff of being a dead shit, you know? And I reek of dead shit. <laughs> <laughs> there's enough information out there about you. They obviously have profiles. I do know a little bit about it because I knew one of the girls that was working in casting for um, Temptation Island once. Mm -hmm. From my understanding of it, they have sort of set profiles of people they know are going to clash. Because if you just got a bunch of woke, nice people, they're just going to be cleaning each other's dishes all the time. It doesn't make for good television. So, they manipulate the situation to have a super right-wing person in there and a super left-wing and like a transgender person and a gay person and then like a tradie bloke and someone who fucking has a podcast and swears heaps and has been to jail. (laughs) I wonder what bucket I fall into. If she was to write them all down on a whiteboard, what would my title be? You'd be like Rant Man. (laughs) Rant Rant Man! I feel like I need a cape for that. <laughs> Your reel has been shared internally in Warner, and they're like, I think we found Rant Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ranting is something I am more than happy to do as well. If you go back into the 2000s, because of the lack of stations that we had here, primetime reality TV was people were really the main celebrities. And now I watched a couple of like Netflix ones, but like those, as far as like Married at First Sight, maths. And um, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, I've just never seen them. I do see people on Facebook, like people are really actually into it. But now I don't necessarily think it brings you more fame. I think before it would put you straight into the position where you would end up with the light shining on you and then you would end up getting what a presenter job or a radio job, which we spoke about before. (laughs) But now I think that they're almost trying to get people who are kind of already influencers 
and put them in that position so that it gets eyes to the show and then it kind of gestates and becomes its own thing. I did go deep on one season of maths when I was with my ex um, and I got kind of invested. But the thing that scares me is it's so blatantly tailored, the footage, the storyline, the way that they craft the characters, quote unquote, so obviously manipulated. I'm struggling to understand why anyone would put themselves in that position. The other ones, if you're looking for love, I'm trying to think about it. If you were genuinely like, I want a husband, it's not working out for me out here. I'm going to go on a reality TV show to find love and like, I don't know what the basis of Married at First Sight is, but by the name, it sounds like they probably meet and not see each other and then they- See literally, each other when they get married. They see each other as she walks down the aisle. I'm pretty offended that they didn't choose me. I know because you said to me, you were like, "Did you get a message from Warner about going on a reality show?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll just check my uh, spam." <laughs> <laughs> she must have forgot to press send. <laughs> oh, they couldn't have both of us, you know. <laughs> I wish that this was like a simulation, like uh, the hollow deck on the Starship Enterprise, where you could just go in and craft a situation for yourself, because I would love to see how that plays out for Josh. You're either going to come out being great, or you're going to come out being terrible. But I think the reality is that the market that are into that stuff don't really care. Let's think about it. It does say something about you to go on one of those shows, right? Absolutely, yes. It's like, what are you doing this for? Are you doing this because you want to be famous? There's a bunch of people blatantly do want to be famous, so that's great. Um, but if you're just like an average guy, it could really fuck up your life. If someone in my office went and did that, I'd be like, there's something wrong with you. You're a sucker for punishment for a start. And what if you went on and the girl was just like a total fuckwit? Well, I think that's kind of what they do, right? They kind of make it. I don't watch these fucking shows, so I'm just going to tell you what I think they are. Okay, Because great. this is yeah. very qualified to talk on this stuff. They put a bunch of red herrings in there. Like, they put a bunch of fuckheads in there. And they'll G them up like, yeah, you know, you're the focus of the show. It's your time to shine. Like, you know, the public love you. That's just to burn people off. Just make people do some really dumb shit. I think they already have set the four or five people who are going to be the main characters. Because they're going to be the relatively normal people. The sort of outrageous people. It's just their moment to kind of dance in the light. And then once they get voted out, the entertainment value is there for that. And then people are really invested in the love story between Shanae and Jonathan or whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like the name choice. There's a great show on Stan called Unreal. I've, sh- I've seen it. The same ex used to watch it in his sleep and I fucking I never want to see the show again. <laughs> I agree. It is, it is kind of like good. It's sick because it's based on the behind the scenes of those shows. It's fictional, but they fuck with people's meds and they different producers for different people and they just make people make dicks of themselves and then mm. they, they're like, that's going to make ratings. People are looking for those viral moments, right? So, if you go off the handle and are like, you're from fucking Quinana, you know, from, from fucking Quinana, where was it? Kelmscott. Then that makes for good television. And I imagine if they saw that reel, they'd be like, if that was said in a reality show, that's going to be ratings gold. So then they just assume that you've been married and divorced. They're like, yeah, wonder what his ex-wife has to say about that. He sounds bitter and twisted. He must be married and divorced. Do I look unhappy? (laughs) Is that why? Did you just say no? I literally said those words. I was like, look, thanks so much for reaching out, but I've never been married, never been engaged, not really your target market. Did she hit you back? Yeah. She was like, oh, look, thanks so much for letting me know and yada, 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 all the best. 
So they're just hunting people. What was the actual show? I'm pretty sure it's like Married at First Sight, but for people who have been married before. Married again at first sight. Fuck. You're a genius. (laughs) This is why you get paid the big big bucks as creative director. Actually, guys. (laughs) Married again at first sight. So, how's the training going for the Jiu-Jitsu tournament? Yeah, good, but I'm not doing as much as I would have liked to have done. I've been a bit injured. My fingers are fucked and my toe, I think, is broken. And I had some fuckwit at training the other night slam me so hard. UFC slam. I had his back and he was a new dude. There's like a thing in Jiu-Jitsu, right, where brand new white belts are complete fucking spastics because they don't know what they're doing. But they're put in a class with people who kind of half know what they're doing. They'll find themselves in a position where they don't know how to get out of it and just lose their fucking minds. Um, That's all well and good. But it becomes dangerous when the person flapping around like a salmon is like a 95 kilo built man. What the boys have done now is they've introduced like trial classes. So you can come, you've got to do three trial classes with Dean. And he will kind of give you an introduction around etiquette and some of the the movements and shit that you should be able to to be able to do. But then when it comes to rolling, everything goes out the fucking window. Is that because people panic? I think so. I never did that, but I think it's because I've got like good people around who are experienced and you but going into a to an environment like that, like stone cold sober essentially is is obviously going to be more of a challenge. Still no excuse for some of the shit that they do. I was um, <clears throat> just doing like situationals from closed guard and um, he's brand new, breathing really heavily. Like his life is depending on this role. And I catch him in a triangle in about 30 seconds. And I'm not <laughs> by no means bragging. He's brand new. I expected to be able to do that to him. So he taps. I basically say to myself in my head, oh, I'm just going to flow this out now. I'm not going to keep strangling him because I can do it. So I just kind of move with him and kind of take it easy, let him get some positions and then kind of like defend. Then we switch. So now he's on top, I'm on the bottom. I end up sweeping him and I come up to his back and he's a big boy. I can hear the cogs in his head ping and he stands up. I'm on his back like a little koala and he jumps backwards and slams me square on my back and his back is on my chest felt like my entire chest had caved in. He knocked all the wind out of me. I'm going, It's such a weird feeling getting winded. It's It's so because you haven't had it since you were a kid (laughs) and you're just like, oh, I'm going to die. I don't know if I'm ever going to take a breath again. (laughs) My lungs have now collapsed. That's great. Okay. I'll be on fucking some pump for the rest of my life. I was real mad to the point where I contemplated fly kicking him. (laughs) And I was like, look, first, I've got no wind in my lungs, so jumping would prove difficult. Second, I've never executed a fly kick before. Exactly. (laughs) But if I was going to, that was going to be the time. (laughs) Um, So I just kind of sat out for the rest of the rolls. So I didn't train at all for the rest of the week. Today was the first morning I I went in and I felt good. My fingers are feeling all right. Toes a bit janky, but my weight's good. It's just a case of just fucking doing it. It's just how you are when you show up. You try and prepare the best you can, but injuries are always going to happen. Life's always going to happen. It's like, you would just be there on the day dealing with whatever you're dealing with and you'll get it done. Yeah. The only other problem I see is um, there's a bunch of people signed up for adult, which is basically like 18. Excuse me. And then there's Masters 1, which is 30 plus. And then there's Masters 2, which is 36 plus. So I'm actually in Masters 2, but there's no one signed up for it. 
So there's one person signed up for Masters 1 and then there's like six people in adult. So I don't know whether just to slot myself into like Masters 1 and see what happens with the 30-year-olds or whether I just dump myself in fucking adult with the 20-year-old Energizer bunnies. Well, it's your first comp. Maybe just do the um, do Masters 1. Yeah, well, I mean, the problem is there, like, we might be the only two signed up. Yeah, true. And I don't care if I win or get second in that situation. I'm like, I'm not fucking, I'm not taking that medal, bro. I'm leaving it there. <laughs> When's the last time you did something competitive? Fuck, that's a great question. Um, probably baseball. Mm-hmm. But that's hardly softball. competitive. No, 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 I played both, thank you. <laughs> baseball in the summer, softball in the winter. <clears throat> but then other than that, it was... um. Probably like fucking uh, indoor soccer after school. Yeah, that was probably the last time. And jujitsu is obviously different because it's not. It's not. I've never done like a solo competitive yeah. action. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole new level of fucking. It's good, man. Yeah. I think it's going to be something interesting. Also, being like you know over thirty five is not really. I think that there's there's probably a lot of people that are over thirty five that aren't in the shape that you're in. And stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. look quite young yeah. and you're taking on new hobbies and new interests and stuff like that. So it's it's not necessarily I think if you went into that Masters One, like the 30 plus, you'd be fine. Oh, Masters One, I'm gonna ice motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, you heard it here first. <laughs> Dude, I've I honestly feel other than my niggling little injuries, I feel better than I've ever fucking felt. Like like I said before, 74 kilos, and I don't think I've weighed 74 kilos for a long time. Like, I always used to sit low 80s, and that was just, like, fucking PlayStation weight, you know? Yeah, like yeah. Just being a sedentary fuck. Now, I'm, like, 74 kilos, and I'm fucking strong, and I've got cardio, kind of. <laughs> That's good, man. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, I know you're not going in there with, like, huge expectations, but you, it's, it's good just to get that experience under your belt i think yeah yeah for sure you gotta challenge yourself um so wish me luck i hope i don't die or break an arm or some shit you'll be fine yeah be fine. <laughs> anything else exciting been going on mate obviously because i'm set into travel mode i've just been kind of looking at a bunch of stuff it seems like europe is just not ready for travel to open back up i don't know if you saw the footage of the airport in greece no, I didn't. The, I don't know what happened, but you know how they went down to Skeleton Cruise when COVID happened? Yep. Of all of the industries, the airlines got bailed out pretty well by most governments. And instead of passing that bailout down to the employees, they were just like, everybody's fired. And then they tried hiring people back after 18 months. And I think that there's just a huge labor shortage. Mm. One of the main airports in, let's just say, Mykonos or something like that, just completely full of bags. The entire terminal is just bags and they just had no idea. Wow. They're like six to 10 hour delays. I was reading some stuff today about internal flights in America and they're just like, yeah, our flight was six hours late and then we boarded the plane and then the flight got cancelled while we were on the plane and then we got off. No one was there to talk to anyone to say what was happening. When they posted this message, they were on the tarmac and they're like, well, I don't even know. We've been here for two hours. We don't even know if we're going to take off. That shit happened at, um, at Bali as well. I know a girl over there who basically went through the same shit, which is surprising. Because I would imagine Bali airport, you'd be able to find people to work there. 
it's a shit show though. Have you ever been at Bali Airport when it's proper peak hour? Most of the time it's relatively fine. You just come through. But a couple of times I've been there, especially on arrival, and I've stood for like three and a half hours in like a worm queue. Ugh. And there's no real knowledge about what's going on. No one's telling you anything. Airports need to be well-oiled machines and there's going to be huge issues at the moment because they've been out of practice for a couple of years. So it's going to be interesting going in that way. Um, I was thinking about this the other day because I'm a fucking idiot. Rather than making small iterative steps to better my life, I'm like, why don't we just move to London? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And I've always been like that. And it's good because it comes with some sort of grandeur sometimes and it kind of kicks you into gear. So when I'd made the decision and booked the flights, I was like, I'm going to go and do this. And it occurred to me maybe a week ago because it's a moving house and all that sort of stuff and it's becoming a reality. You can take your foot off the gas. I was in a pretty precarious position of finding my feet, spending a lot of time alone in my own head, really overanalyzing and self-analyzing everything. And I was like, okay, well, I need to put myself in the deep water and make sure that I can fucking swim. And when you make that decision and you attach a date to it, it allows you to not make those incremental changes in the meantime. So you go, I can not socialize this weekend and just smoke weed and chill out because... In a week and a half's time, when I'm in London, like I'm going to have to actually make the changes. I've definitely slipped into this sort of period of life where I'm like a little bit antisocial, watching too much Netflix, just the things that when you're trying to relax and you're criticizing yourself while you're relaxing. Ideally, I want to be a more social person. I want a more full life, more interaction with friends. I want in a short period of time, probably be like, I want to focus on some sort of romantic relationship, which I don't want to do at the moment. And then I need like work and fitness and stuff like that. So making the choice to go to London, even though I'm only going for seven weeks, like the idea is that I'm like road testing it to see what I want to do. I've kind of taken my foot off the gas on making those minor adjustments and improvements to my life because it's relatively pointless to do because I'm going and I'm going to have to do that in real time when I get to London. Does that make any sense? Yeah, 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 100%. So I'm starting to get this anxiety of that coming. It started because I found out I can't take my medicinal weed <laughs> to London. So I spoke to Jordan, previous guest, and he was like, unless weed is legal in another country, you basically can't take it with you. So I'm in that situation where I'm like, okay, I've definitely been leaning on the weed more than normal. Recently, I've been on that workout plan we were talking about before, like off air, and um, it's been going really well. So, like, that's been a really solid foundation. But it also is, I'll come home from work, I'll be chilling, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm, I need to go to the gym. And my motivation for going to the gym is like, when you get back, you can just get high as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely smoke myself into like somewhat of a coma and then just wake up the next day feeling a bit dusty. And I've definitely been relying on those vices a little bit, so... That was a little bit of a reality hit where I know that if I don't have medicinal weed in London, I'm not going to be like at Toby's place getting the man damn round to bring around a half ounce. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be a bit of a reality check when I get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're probably using the weed right now as a bit of a crutch. There's not a lot to do. It's the same old Perth. You're in Leaderville, you're fucking Northbridge doing, doing the same thing you do every day. So pulling yourself out of that environment, putting yourself into a new environment, you might find yourself not relying on that as much to, to pass time because there'll be something else to do. It's definitely a checkout where you're just like, oh, I'm not really doing much. I'll just smoke a joint, watch some TV. Whereas before, when I was younger, I would really do shit. 
you know, like I'd always be working or I'd be working on music or I'd be working on art or doing something. And now like I'm just kind of up and just watching really ridiculous fucking YouTube. And I'm 40 years old. I watched some no jumper controversy stuff the other day. And then I went on like a deep dive in it and I was just like, <laughs> let's go. And then even as I was doing it, I was like, why, why is this interesting you at all? And it wasn't, it was just filler. I think, I'm, yeah, I'm becoming addicted to that distraction because I think, you know, we had Delby on here and he was talking about stuff about like the different cogs in his life. Mm-hmm. I'm doing research, man. Like people think this is a podcast. This is just me doing like hardcore research <laughs> and recording it so I can fucking <laughs> easily access it on YouTube and Spotify. I feel like now with everything that I've been on this sort of health and fitness, I'm not going to say journey, journey bro. Fuck say it, bro. I don't want to say that shit. <laughs> But no, like, so I was, yeah, I was in a shitty predicament and I was just depressed and feeling shit. You're walking a thousand miles. I've done that shit, dude. Like, I'm like 16 weeks in. I lost nine kilos. I'm healthier than I've ever been. I look fucking good. Like, I get out of the shower and I'm like, hey. And so the basis of that is that I, to, to me personally, is undeniable. So I look at that and go, okay, well, I, I did that. I showed up and I did that. And it occurred to me that that's one of the cogs, right? So one of the cogs is like health and fitness, which Delby had spoke about. And then I probably need to throw some more attention into the other cogs and actually separate these things and go, okay, well, I need to, you know, at the moment, work life. I think I've been motivated and driven by money. And also some sort of a status from like doing artwork and people being like, that's good. And then this year I've been paid more than I've ever been paid before. And I've got to work on good projects and stuff like that. And now the motivation to like further myself is just, it's fucking dead. I just cannot, like, I want to care and I want to rock up. I want to be motivated and I want to be inspired. And that's what I was talking about before about the dopamine reset thing, because apparently that's a big factor in that and because we're the lab rats of social media like we're the first people to get chucked in the maze i think that you'll probably find in 15 years time there'll be certain restrictions on people you know like probably when mcdonald's first came out they were like this is is great like just eat it for every meal and then they had a bunch of obese kids like we're just all mentally obese at the moment it's very difficult i think with the algorithm to curate your own feed now it's like it says it gives you the shit that you engage with the most, but I don't necessarily believe that. And I just find myself, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I flick through Instagram and literally the narrative in my mind is like, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, cockhead, don't care, don't care. I think you burn through that. You're like, nah, 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 nah. You know, like it's almost like the Tinder sort of thing. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like 99% no's and there's like a yes, right? And I think that that's the thing is like when you get something that's relevant to you or something that's exciting or something that's good, and this is in any of them, you know, like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, if you are a fucking pedophile, it's about the search. It's about not getting quite enough so that you keep going down the rabbit hole. Because if you just watch some shit and you were just like, Oh, all nine of my fucking interests are really covered in this nine post. You know what I mean? You'd be like, I'm going to go on with my day. I feel quite inspired. And their only metric is screen time. They want you on the fucking screen. Mm. And it makes sense for me. And I think for a lot of people as well, um, I don't want to fucking shit on about like <laughs> terrible like health and fitness journey. And what was it? And what's the one I'm about to say? Um, self-care. 
<laughs> Most versions of self-care that I've been looking at and like participating in to some degree, they're all just shut the fuck up and stay still. And maybe we'll distract you with like some arm movements or some breathing exercises or like the downward dog. But the whole thing is like be present. And the problem with being present is me personally and a lot of people that have been in this kind of lab rat generation have, in lieu of dealing with very, very, very minor problems over the past 15 years, we've just been like, I don't want to think about that. Give me something else. And we're just looking and looking and looking. So we've got all of these little things, these little unresolved dramas or and they're so fucking small, a lot of them. And then you just build them up to the point where sitting in silence... It's that anxiety that you feel when you're watching a fucking YouTube video or something and it's about to end and you're like, it's the anxiety that people probably have that led them to listen to this podcast where they're like, I know for the next two hours I can fucking listen to this podcast. If this podcast was like 35 minutes long, you start getting anxiety going, what am I going to do after this? Mm. You need that shit laid out for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As much as I don't want to, like I wake up in the morning and I fucking cover every inch of every app that I have. And then I swing back and then I notice that I'm doing it automatically and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, it's all of these like easy, quick dopamine hits. The fucking vape as well. The vape's like the worst for it. Yeah. So you need to just be alone with your thoughts a little bit. And now to the point where that's what I think is happening with the weed. While I'm watching Netflix or YouTube or something like that, I'm also smoking enough weed that I can kind of just make it to bed and then I will pass out. I don't need to be non-distracted for a second. And that's definitely a problem. Uh, yeah, I went through that same situation. I was smoking joint after joint after joint after joint. And I think some of it had to do with the fact that I was like putting nicotine in there or tobacco in there, which doesn't help. But what I found the weed was able to do was made me not give a fuck about what was on TV or what I was watching enough that you could just kind of get by and you wouldn't necessarily engage with it on anything more than surface level and the weed was kind of like a an enabler for you to be able to watch complete and utter shit and not feel like a piece of shit for doing it absolutely because you can it can kind of engage you into anything it's an interesting conundrum man i think a lot of people are probably feeling the same about it so but again it, it comes down to those small iterative steps and i need to look at the way that i approach the health and fitness thing recently because i've got results from it and look at changing each thing as like a 16 week process mm -hmm. where it kind of fucking sucks at first or you don't really know what you're doing but you're going to see those results so living this life of just consistently i'm very self-critical don't get me wrong we still rock up and do a fucking podcast i edit this shit we put it out i do a ton of work I'm doing a bunch of other shit. But to me, I'm just like, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck you. What's wrong with you? Why are you on your phone again? Like I said before, the fact that I'm happy with how I look is undeniable to me. So I can't be there and be like, you're a fucking fat piece of shit. I just can't do that anymore. So that's removed. And like my mind's like, all right, what else is wrong with you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I feel like as you start to tick little boxes, and I think that that's what's happened with a bunch of people that we spoke to, like guest wise and stuff like that. They just have better balanced lives than I do. Maybe that's the key to it all. Well, like look, I said, I'm taking fucking notes. Like I'm. This is therapy for you. But look, on the positive side, I've never seen you self-sponsor your own selfie on Instagram. So really, you're ahead of the curve. Honestly, can we just all subjectively look at ourselves 
and fucking do better. Because if your feed is all selfies of you, and I put men and females in the same category here because there are some equally self-obsessed narcissistic men on the internets, but if your entire fucking Instagram feed is pictures of you and you self-sponsor your own posts, take a good hard look at yourself because no one needs that. I actually do, I do the maths in my head. All right, so what do these people do? What's the process? Take a photo and then they look at it and they're like, you know what? Everyone needs to see this. <laughs> and it is so fucking weird to me. It is the most narcissistic shit. And while I'm on the topic, can we all please, as a fucking community, agree to not use that filter that makes you look like a smudge? We have features. We have lines on our faces. We, we have moles. When you put that filter on, you look like a fucking cartoon character. We can see it's ridiculous. We can see that's not what you look like. Stop it. I had an interesting one recently, and this is something that you can do as like a test. When someone puts a story up and they use a filter, you can click on that filter and it says like, try now. And you can see just how fucking crazy it is. So there's a girl that I know, I'm not going to name her. I know her as an attractive person, but her photos and her whole rundown now is like she looks fantastic like fully glamorous and i was just like this is it's crazy like she must just be like really on top of her shit and then i clicked on one of those filters and put it on myself like as a test when you use the girl ones on you as a guy like it's fucked up because it gives you eyelashes and it does like weird <laughs> oh, shit really and it, like browns your skin you know how you see on the reels and stuff like that people are like this isn't my real face like oh my god like it's like you're just doing that so you can put out a fucking hot thing anyway. This is like 30 times worse than that. It just like completely morphs your face into a slim shape, makes you super tan, makes your eyes pop, gives you eyelashes. It's fucking crazy. I was like, I have no idea what this person looks like. Zero idea of what this person looks like. And they know what they look like. And then they see that and they're like, you know what? This is an accurate representation of who I am. Is this a, is this a mental problem that we're dealing with here? Okay, this existed forever. You need to think about what we had. We had celebrities, right? So, celebrities were in movies and then they're on the cover of fucking teen magazines and they're on the cover of like New Idea and all that sort of shit. And they have always been airbrushed. They've been airbrushed to fuck. Like, so they get on the cover of publications that have been around forever and they are professionally airbrushed by a retoucher. And that's not a photographer. The photographers already, they've got makeup. So, the makeup's going on, all that stuff. Then they've got lighting, they've got photographer, they've got DOP, they've got all of that. And then they have a retoucher as well. So, by the time that it comes out on the front of a magazine, it is barely the person. It's just retaining enough of their features, but blasting them out in like the most perfect way. And you always used to be able to watch these YouTube videos of retouchers working and you would see the before and after. And I've done it myself. Like I've done a bunch of fucking campaigns where I'd done like retouching and stuff. So that aspirational view of beauty has always been heavily distorted. And it was a lot of criticism of that throughout the 2000s and the late 90s with public opinion being like, my daughter reads this magazine, fashion models were all anorexic and it was causing eating disorders within people and stuff like that. You remember that? Like it was like a, it was like a social kind of movement and it made sense. Now everyone has access to all of that. 
and they can do it to themselves. And it's very good. Like the quality of it is very good. Even though you're aware that people have a filter on, your mind still goes, oh, they look great. And I think that the problem is now, aspirationally, people are looking to not even necessarily, like I think that the influencer market is kind of fucking dying, but that kind of micro-influencer market, which is just social hierarchies, if someone that you follow that you sort of know or is like just kind of out of your reach is using a certain filter, people are starting to use it. And it's like, oh, it's okay because they do it. And the reality is that everyone wants to put out a better version of themselves on the internet than what they actually are because they're more seen on the internet than they are by people in their office, by their friends. So, suddenly we're all becoming this like, because we're all all essentially brands, we're trying to push ourselves as individually the best version that we can. That works somewhat during like a pandemic where everyone's kind of fucking not socializing and things like that. But when we return completely to that social ladder of people actually existing and people actually like really full-time interacting and that becoming an actual basis for life, there's going to be huge gaps in it. And also during like this online dating era. Mate, I've had it up to here with fucking dating apps, eh? I'd never been on one before. Everyone I speak to is like, yeah, I'll have them for like 48 hours and then I just delete that shit. It's a shit show. I don't know anyone that's partaking. No, it's a full shit show. One of the taglines I've been seeing recently, I'm a goal digger. Goal, G-O-A-L. Goal digger. That's not even a clever play on words. Were you digging for other people's goals? Grow up, eh? (laughs) (laughs) The other one is, who the fuck is taking all these bitches on adventures? Because apparently, (laughs) that is par for the course now. I want someone to go on an adventure with. If you're not going on an adventure, you're fucking nothing, apparently. I don't have a four-wheel drive, Okay. (laughs) If you want an adventure, we'll go to Mirabooka fucking KFC <laughs> on Thursday night. That'd be a fucking adventure. Get stabbed. There's nothing more adventurous than getting a bus to the Morley Galleria. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Take me on an adventure. The fuck you doing? You bring into the table. Do you have it in you? I look at people doing shit and I'm like, man, people are doing shit. But then they're also documenting it, which means that it's not the shit that you think it is. You've seen this shit firsthand. You were dating an influencer for a long time. So, it's a perceived version of it, but it fucks with your mind because you're like, I fucking think I'm pretty boring these days. I'm not going out partying because that shit gets a bit tragic when you are older. And I'm not the fucking outdoorsman, bro. Don't get me wrong. Like I've done a couple of little camping trips or I can pitch a tent. I can do stuff like that. How many of you motherfuckers are going to climb Bluff Knoll? That's so funny. I've never, dude, I've never fucking done it. Broad statement. I am jealous because I see motherfuckers doing this and they're, you know, five in the morning and they're doing their thing and it's like a rite of passage and that's sick. But do you want to? (laughs) Because I don't want to and I fucking want to want to. Like I want to be like, you know what, let's go. Or do you tell your friends, we're going to do this? And I'm not that cynical. I'm not like, do it for the gram. I'm like, people want to do shit and that's cool. I could do it by all means. But that whole like 5 a.m. hike up Bluff Knoll, is there something inside you that wants to do that or are you doing it for other reasons? And that's not me being critical. I don't know because I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't have a fucking interest in that. Well, look, you make a valid point, but the... 
It's funny. I must have had that adventure thing in my mind because the last girl I dated, I literally did that. I just got my my Audi, so station wagon. I was like, I want to take it for a fucking burn. And I had this adventure thing in my head and I knew she like hell loved fitness and shit, right? So I was like, what can I do that's like going to be cool that we can do together that she will enjoy and I'll enjoy? I'll be like, let's fucking go to Bluff Knoll. So I was like, oi, next weekend, Friday, I'll take the day off work. We'll get up at four o'clock in the morning. I'll drive to Albany. It'll take us five hours. We'll stop over, get some breakfast and shit. By the time we get there, it'll be about 9.30, 10 o'clock, climb Bluff Knoll, up and down, back to fucking Albany, have lunch, and then drive to this fucking hotel. And we did, and it was sick. I had so much fun. But it was fucking forgotten about 48 hours later. In what way? Like by you? No, fucking by her. (laughs) It's like, cunt, it's not even cheap. Like the hotel was fucking expensive. It was like some dope new place that they'd fucking done. This is what fucks me off. It probably says more about her than it does me. I was like, first, what can we do together that's going to be fun? Something engaging, something we can like bond over, like climb a little fucking mini mountain. It's like, cool. But you go through all of that, you do all of that, and then... This transactional nature of motherfuckers these days is, okay, well, what's next? What you got for me now, motherfucker? What's next? And I'm just like, cunt. It's your turn. Yes. What are you bring into this fucking arrangement? That's why I fucking hate seeing these women on here asking for adventures. It's like, fuck you. It's a sore point for you. You buy a fucking goddamn pirate ship and we'll go on that motherfucker and go for a sail or some shit. Why am I bringing the adventures to the table? Don't get me wrong. Like, I think people just want experiences. And I think we feel more and more left out because we're seeing people allegedly have experiences. That fear of missing out or feeling like you're somehow inadequate because people are doing shit. It's all part and parcel. It's all wrapped up in this fucking social media stuff. You know what, man? Now that I think about it, I don't actually, I don't feel that way. And I haven't felt that way in a while. I don't feel like I'm missing out on shit. Like, I'll sit at home on a Friday night and see fucking reels and fucking stories coming out of people doing shit. I'm like, it's not me, cuz. I know what clicks my cogs over, Mm. and it's going to do jiu-jitsu. It's going hanging out with Ollie and shit and go and have lunch, hang out with you and do this. Those are the things that tick the boxes for me. And recognizing that, has been a really integral step in me not feeling like I'm fucking FOMOing. I'm happy to stay at home. I think because you've got a relatively well-balanced life now, you've got like quite a good perspective on that sort of stuff. I think I'm lacking a passion. It's a battle though, Scott. You got to like fight for it because, you know, like I just said, I love doing jujitsu, but I make excuses not to go every time. But you just got to make yourself do it. And the thing is, I think people almost expect it to be easy. It's like, oh, once I find the thing that I love... It's going to be so much easier. Well, it's not. In fact, it's probably harder because you have to really fucking work at continuing to be engaged. And if it's challenging in any way, then you're going to get pushback on it and you have to be prepared to battle through that pushback. But that's why it's great. And I totally agree to drill down into that. And this is genuinely out of interest to me. Like when you decided to do jujitsu and you went to that first class, you said that you'd been talking about doing it for a while, you'd been interested in doing it for a while, and then you finally did it. Was there immediate gratification in doing it? 100%. I still fucking vividly remember it. And I was lost at the time. I'd just broken up with a girl, and I was legitimately heartbroken. 
and um, I was struggling. I had no car license. I just lost my license for eight months. And, you know, cars are a big thing for me. Like I find like a lot of my personal freedom is uh, like almost personified, I suppose, by my ability to go out and drive and just enjoy that. And having that taken away from me, breaking up with a girlfriend, my grandmother died, my sister's house burnt down all within like three weeks of one another. So I was like, I was a fucking mess. And I'm like, what am I going to do to drag myself out of this? And I was like, I'm going to go do the fucking thing that I've been telling everyone I want to do for ages and never had the nuts to do it. And I remember walking out of there, I took a little selfie and I sent it to the group chat with all the boys, you and all the boys in it. And I was like, I was like, this is fucking the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. It's like I finally felt like um, like I'd, I'd achieved something just by literally showing up. And that's the easiest thing to do when you look at it in in like past tense. But the, the feeling that it gave me is like you just can't, you can't fucking beat that. And, it's, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to that's be jiu-jitsu. That's the thing. It, it could be anything. But the problem is that like at the moment I feel like I'm trying to find that. Like I'm trying to find that thing. And like I'm reading the War of Art at the moment, and I'm I follow various different, somewhat motivational things, and it's always like follow your dreams, follow your passion, and all that. There is not that many fucking bits of literature and video out there of people going, "How to identify your passion?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like because I find that I do jump from thing to thing to some degree, and I loved playing basketball. I fucking loved playing basketball. It was like. It was so part and parcel with my life and so consistent that I didn't even realize until it was gone, until I blew my knee out again. And I was just like, I can't fucking do this anymore. And I noticed my life has suffered for that. And there is a space. I I have the time. I just don't know what the thing is. And I rack my brain being like, what is it that I'm fucking looking for? What's the kind of missing piece here? right now and there is something like i have a lack of a fucking passion right now for a long time music was in that until i got signed and it pulled it into the fucking track of being a job yeah the other thing with you and and music is like it's a very isolating solo experience i think at the time you were making that music being by yourself probably wasn't like the best thing yeah it got tied up in a lot of ways into that situation, you know, of like dad being sick and me not really knowing what the fuck was going on and, and having like the first throes of, of like the mental health issues that were recognizable for me. It w- and it was like, oh, everyone will leave me the fuck alone if I'm just working on music. Whereas before it was like, I'm working on music. I'd be like showing people shit like, hey, I've been away and like, look at what I made and like, I've done this sort of stuff. So there's some rumblings at the moment of that coming back. I've been waiting for it. I've heard a couple of things and I've had a couple of conversations and there is that spark. I was hanging out with Jeremy Smith, one of my best friends. I used to live with him. I went and had dinner with him the other day and he said, because he listens to the podcast and he was like, do you realize that when you, when I hear you talk about music on the podcast, he's like, you can tell that you still really give a fuck about that. Like when I was, I remember I was speaking to Tina and I was like, we were talking about like, when it makes sense and like Mm. even speaking to Carl and speaking to other people. And it's like, so I think that that is still there, but there is from this book that I've been reading recently, part one is just basically defining um, resistance. And that's the things that are stopping you from doing stuff. I could be working on music right now. I have like 
a plethora of equipment which mocks me. It just fucking sits there around me. It's behind you right now. Mm. It's fucking in my eyesight, in my room. You know what I mean? Like, I've done things. I know that I can do it. But then I sit there and I'm like, you're a piece of shit for not doing this. Like, why are you wasting your fucking time? And then the other side of my head's like, you're 40, bro. Don't make music. <laughs> you know? like so. It, but it's all this fucking weird internal dialogue. See, I, that to me, though, is a red flag. If that's the thoughts you're having... Well, that you, seems to be the resistance. You shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't be doing it. You're not ready for it. But I'm not doing it. It's around me, and like I am pretty confident that if I just sat down and did it, I would find the joy. But the distance between me doing it and not doing it, it feels very far. That's what that war of art is about. It's about the fact that there is inspiration and there is like that sort of mythical thing where you can be doing something, you just be walking along, and then something will hit you, and you're like, oh. I have this great idea. I'm going to make a fucking iPhone. That divine inspiration does happen. But it happens more if you feel like shit and you rock up and sit at the computer and just start doing stuff. You know, whether it's writing, like I hear like Rogan talk about it with comedy or it's um, writing music or it's working on screenplays. It's anything. It's like show up and just do the thing, get the wheels turning and that inspiration will be farmed. You're still going to get the random ones that come firing from the fucking heavens, but you're going to get more if you show up and do it and you treat it almost like a job. And I think that that resistance is there for me now where I'm like, all right, I'm playing fucking FIFA online. No one's fucking calling, bro. Like no one's, no one gives a shit. You know, like I don't have responsibilities outside of work and outside of this. I don't have responsibilities. Like I'm by myself in a fucking apartment, I go to bed when I want, I wake up when I want, I've got some standard things that I do. I have the freedom right now to create anything I want, to throw myself into any passion that I want, but I'm kind of just sitting there just like, I don't fucking know what I want to do. The thing that I'm, I keep hearing though is like you're isolating yourself and then you want to be able to throw yourself into a passion project that involves isolating yourself. If you look at your life as a seesaw it's all on fucking one side and it's all about like scott just being by himself and just doing the things that he wants to do and expecting to get hit by this bolt of fucking inspirational lightning which will probably eventually come but at what cost Mm. you need to true up the scales and for me the basketball thing i think probably resonated the most and i think you're missing the camaraderie. The tribal side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll caveat that comment because, you know, for some people it's a footy club, right, and they fucking all get around it and, you know, that's not for me and it's also yep. not for you. I love walking into the gym on a Saturday morning and literally everyone will, like, shake your hand, give you a hug, like, and it's a genuine You're a part hug. of something. Yeah. Yeah. And you walk out feeling fucking like you're a part of something and you feel good and people are there to help and be supportive. I think you might need something like that just to chew up the scale to give you a little, bit of, a little bit of leeway on the- on I the completely deal. agree. The problem is with a creative- Like, I'm a creative person. This is like the basis of my fucking existence, right? Like, it's just the way that I have done things. So- a lot of it does come down to solitude, but it's a chicken and egg situation. It's like I probably chose that because I'd been quite a solitary person anyway, and then it's just worked for me. So I keep going. And when I did the club stuff, I was 
an integral part of a community. And the community I'm talking about is essentially our group chat. It's just like the people that were brought together through that experience. And I think that that ticked that box for me for a long time Mm. and I could still do all these other things. But now my life feels very out of balance. I don't have that sense of community. I just genuinely don't have it. I have like personal interactions with individuals. But as far as being a part of something bigger or a part of a group, I don't have that. So, that's what I need to find. And that isolation doesn't help with that. But the problem that I see within it now is that I'm sitting there going, so it's it's Saturday today. I don't have any plans this evening. And I go, okay, what can I do? And my mind automatically goes, I don't want to go to a fucking nightclub. I don't want to go to a bar. I don't really want to fucking do that shit. Like, ideally, it would be sick if I could go have dinner with like six friends. That would be sick. Or, you know, I'm going to go and hit golf balls at the driving range with Justin tomorrow and and things like that. Like, I would, I guess I'm having trouble identifying what community aspect that I want in my life. It seems like you found that in the gym. And I think that when that box is ticked or that box is at least visible, you're like, okay, balance is kind of happening right now. And I have all of these individual sort of accolades or individual ability to do stuff, which when I do them, people might be like, oh, that's great. And like, I might be welcomed into that community, but then it's like, okay, I need to go away by myself and then come back with more. I don't have that community thing in any aspect of my life right now, Mm. which is quite illuminating having this conversation with you because that's not necessarily information that I came into this conversation with which is why it's important to talk about this sort of stuff yeah do you think you're lucky because you walked into jujitsu and that was a positive experience and you were like oh my god like i fucking feel this and i'm like you said you got to work at it like you need to go it's not easy but there was enough of a spark there where you're like i'm gonna follow this i'm gonna follow this feeling it had nothing to do with luck well you tried other things right because you were doing the gun club you've had interests but this was one where you're like, no, this is definitely something I'm going to do. Well, that that's kind of what I mean. And like, it wasn't luck. It's literally just putting myself in a position of vulnerability. Mm. And like, I, I didn't know at the time that I was going to love it. I haven't, I didn't go down the fucking YouTube rabbit hole of jujitsu that I'm in now. Like I've watched every single piece of jujitsu content that you can consume. I, have flow grappling subscriptions. Um, you know, I'm fucking ingrained in that now because it's a passion. But it wasn't that to begin with. All it was was I need to get out of my comfort zone. I love the thought of doing jiu-jitsu. I'm going to go and try it. And then I realized, holy shit, this is, this is not only everything that I thought it was going to be. It, it's so much more. And that was at a gym... And no disrespect to the gym that I was first at. Um, but that was at a gym that I didn't even really like. And I got injured. I think I did three or four classes and I got injured. And then I didn't train for like three months. And then I flipped and I went and joined Costas. And then I was like, oh, shit. This is, this is now what it is. But I suppose the point of that I was trying to make is you will try some shit. Like me with the gun thing, I thought I wanted to do that. And I did it and I tried it and it was fucking difficult to get and I fucking did it and it took all this time and all this money. And at the end, I was like, this is a fucking ball ache. Yeah, it's not fulfilling. No, and I've got to drive to Wanneroo and I've got to do this and I have to jump through all these hoops and the cops are going to come around and check my safe every quarter. 
I'm like, fuck off. It's just too much overhead. But I couldn't have got there without trying it, right? Mm. And the same thing goes for, for the jiu-jitsu is like I put myself in a position where I might have been like, fuck, this sucks and I'm never going back. But the fact that I went and, and attempted it, that's what opened the gate to being able to be like, oh, fuck me. This is like really what I love I love doing. Fully. But there was a nucleus in that. Like you went and tried it and it was sick. I've been to things. I went to drawing classes 10 years ago to like a still life drawing class enrolled in TAFE. There, you know, there was no spark there in that. And I was like, eh. It's also another solo sport. But what I'm saying is like you were... F- I don't think that you necessarily knew that the jiu-jitsu side of things was going to be a community. I think you went there and you were like, this feels right and it feels good and I'm going to follow that feeling. I, I kind of did though. Yeah? And, and community was something that I was searching for because I've got multiple groups of really good friends um, and one bunch of them really enjoy going out and partying and drinking and shit. And at the time that was not, I did. I wanted nothing to do with that. So I needed something else to f- like fill that gap. And, you know, I see the way that Bradshaw and Delby and Jack and um, Stefan and all those guys talk about the experiences they have at the gym, the in-jokes that come out of it and, um, and all of that stuff. So I knew that I was walking into a place that was going to facilitate community if I was, if I was ready to be ingratiated into it. And you knew that was something you were lacking? Oh, big time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just felt alone and by myself. You know, at the time I lost a couple of friends through some some bullshit and I'm not mad about it. Um, I, I think I'm probably fucking better off, to be honest with you. But at the time, there was a hole that I needed to fill and I wasn't getting it from anywhere else. Uh, so like, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that sort of, and even now, man, like I said to you, I can't emphasize enough, like how good it feels when you walk into a place and everyone's like, Josh, what's up? And Mm. everyone gives you a fucking hug and everyone's genuinely happy that you're there and we're all there to strangle each other. It's fucking great. It's funny, man. Cause the more you talk about that is the more I'm like playing it like A to B with me walking in to set up like the club stuff when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't looking for it, but that's what that was. And also I was doing basketball at the time. So like you don't realize that you're missing something until it's gone. And I by no means want to go back into it doing your fucking nightclubs <laughs> like yeah. in, in any capacity. But I think that there is that gap there where I'm like, what's the thing that, that I'm going to enjoy like that? And don't get me wrong, man. I'll throw my hat in the ring like, and I'll do a bunch of different shit. I honestly think this jaunt to London is going to be a good thing for you in the sense that I think for a fucking crazy social experiment that we can then talk about in this podcast, if you're there for six weeks, try three things or go and join like a fucking indoor football club Mm. um, or just do something like look on a fucking message board somewhere and be like, these cunts are doing this in the park at this time. Come down if you want to go for a run. Something that involves being social and, and part of a community and just fucking throw your hat in the ring. You just never know what you're going to come across. And that's where I'm at, dude. And I'm doing that shit. I'm trying to do some sh- semi-uncomfortable shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to fucking try some things and just see see what's going on because it, it feels like there is an absence of some shit. The last thing I want to do at this point is like just fucking meet 
a girl and be like besotted and do that first year of just being stars in your eyes sort of shit and not actually feel the holes in my life that exist at the moment. If you did that, you're essentially just band-aiding it until eventually the band-aid gets soggy and starts to peel off at the corner and you're like, oh, shit, i got fucking serious wounds under here. <laughs> Dude, exactly. Like, you can fill gaps with people, but the idea is that you need to be somewhat self-sufficient. And I know in order for a relationship for me to work, a long-lasting future relationship to work, I need to be in some way okay with being alone. Mm-hmm. Because then you, you're you not putting that expectation on another person. They're not putting it on you. It seems to be like a healthier way to do things, yeah. right? Yeah. So true, Scott. So very true. <laughs> I have no idea what we were talking about. No, I just went for a piss break. It was very, very needed. I've not drank really for the entirety of June. Two beers has gone through me like a dose of salts. That's the fucking... I've not heard that. Oh, there you go. Do you notice any difference from not drinking? The problem I have is that... Once that second or third pint hits your lips, rapidly downhill from there, my decision-making process is severely hindered and I'll be doing shit that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And by doing shit I I shouldn't be doing, I mean like ordering McDonald's. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. The lifestyle choices that you want to make are not made. Yes. Uh, Last night I had for dinner 10 pieces of tuna sushi uh, and a fucking two-liter bottle of water and then I had some THC oil and went to sleep. Now, that is a wholesome Saturday night, sir. Funniest thing is Tony, so young Tony, traitor to the podcast, is in Thailand at the moment. And he was like, I'm definitely going to smoke some weed when I'm there. I'm like, dude, you fucking heard these podcasts. Like, don't do drugs in countries that don't allow them. Like, So, he was like, oh, you know, I'll suss it out. And then he sends me a story and it's just like a pint and a joint. And I was like, you're fucking mental. And he goes, they legalized it last Friday. So fucking And then insane. he showed me that shit. They legalized it and everyone was taking liberties like off the bat. Every bar now is like, oh, you want a pint? You want some fucking weed? Because we have pounds of beer. It's like fucking cocaine in Colombia or some <laughs> shit. That's it. That's a vibe. God bless. Although Thai weed's pretty shit out, so. Well, I imagine it will probably be good now. No, I didn't have the climate for it. We were at Delby's wedding. One of my f- famous drug stories. Yeah, this on, is the one that I nearly did. I got on the back of a scooter with a friend of Delby's and random house in the middle of fucking Phuket and bought weed. And honestly, it was the dark brown and it was not very good. I remember that because that's the difference between you and me. Because they said to me, we were, we were all sitting there and that guy was like, I can get us some weed. Someone just needs to come with me to get it. And I was like, No. <laughs> and you're like, I'll go. I was like, I've seen enough episodes of Banged Up Abroad. There is no reason you need someone to come with you. Yeah, That's I a know. fucking terrible thing. Did you turn him on his scooter? Yeah, I did. Yeah, see, there's a whole lot involved in this. It was very, just, it was there was a lot strange. of red flags for me. Yeah, it was very strange. I've had a few weird scenarios like that, but should come as no surprise to anyone. Yeah, man. You live and you learn. Would you do it? Well, I suppose you don't have to now because of Thailand. Exactly, yeah. I would go back, though. I'd love to go back to Thailand. That was an interesting place to visit because I'd never been before. I went for a wedding. I had very low expectations. And then when I was there, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is beautiful. Like, it, was it was also like really fortuitous in that we had a spectacular group of friends around, even if we don't see each other anymore. It's like at the time, it was it was a fucking vibe. It was just like having 22 of your 
best friends, all staying in the same resort. That was a really, really great time. Oh, and Bradshaw and Dean. Yeah, that <laughs> stayed somewhere else. <laughs> I think that was the start of Gucci Smoothie, actually. That was it the was, Gucci man. Smoothie's origin story. Oh, no, actually, Gucci Smoothie existed before that. It was Pina Colada Boys that came out of the, the Thailand experience. It really did. And that was just around a pool with us drinking the place out of cocktails. Literally. That was great, man. But, I mean, as we spoke about before, like, it ties back into that situation with you and your ex and doing Bluff Knoll and stuff like that. It's like, all we really do is make memories or make experiences. That's all you're doing. So, that Thailand is just a point in time. It's an experience that I enjoyed. At the end of the day, you don't remember all of the bullshit. There was probably some bullshit that happened there, but it was like, no, that's just a really fond memory. And I think realistically, we should just be working to try and make more of those, you know, put yourself in a position where you're doing that. Yeah. And I think that's what I've been dealing with. In like, It's nice to not be in that leadable apartment anymore because I'm not staring at the same shit and I'm kind of back in the potentially haunted Airbnb. <laughs> and it at least feels nice to have like a change of scenery and the fact that I own it and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like if I wanted to, I could like do this up and stuff. Mm. But there's a lot of fucking noises going on. The way that I mark it off is it doesn't scare me. But while I'm lying in bed, I'm like, there is no reason for those these noises to be it's happening. disconcerting. Yeah, and there's a couple of like strange movements, like someone stepping on my bed while I'm lying in it and shit. Oh, like actually. I don't know. But Ghosts of junkies past. The thing that gets me the most is that Max is looking at some oh, shit. right. I know this cat very well. So I'm like sitting there and he's staring at something that's like six feet away from me. And then he's moving with it and he's following it around. And I'm like, what is this about? I'm moving to London too. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. <laughs> Fuck out of there. Do you have any crazy ghost stories? Yeah, one. Let's go. One. My friend has a house in Doubleview. Beautiful house. Old house that's been renovated. So it's quite modern, but still all the old footings and shit. All the old floors. And he said to me one night that he was walking down the hallway and he just saw like a figure standing in the hallway. It scared the shit out of him. And he is not the kind of person to A, make up a ghost story. I'm actually surprised like he would even tell me about it because it's just not who he is. He moves to Calbarry and I move into his house for a while. So I'm living in Doubleview. The kitchen island is kind of in the middle. And then off to the left-hand side is that corridor mm -hmm. that he said he saw the figure in. And he would have come down from his bedroom on the kitchen side and looked up the hallway to where the figure was. The dog is outside and there's big bifold cafe glass doors. I'm standing in the kitchen making dinner. The dog has got up on her hind legs and got her fucking paws against the window. All the hair on the back of her neck standing up and she is barking like she has never done before. Her vision is going straight down that corridor. And I fucking run over, have a look, nothing there. Look back at her, she stops barking. I think she's seen it, bro. I think they probably do see some shit. I think she's seen it. I'm a huge contradiction because I don't really believe in ghosts. But I have had a couple of experiences where there's some weird shit going on. So I'm at odds with it. Remember my old office in um, Barrack Street? Yep. My understanding is that when they set Perth as a site, they built the town hall. Yeah, I'm quite sure James Cook lived there for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> I know they did the hangings on that street. At oh, the that town hall or whatever town it hall, is. Town hall, yeah. So town hall was built and then everything was kind of built around it. It was mm -hmm. a Barrack Street jetty. 
I'm probably wrong. I don't care. <laughs> the Dwarfkin um, was yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Arnold Schwarzenegger lived there. Um, <laughs> this building was a shithole and I've made this office really nice. Like we put flooring in and stuff. It's a beautiful old building, but it was grim. There was this office next door and it was essentially a storage room. It was always sort of open and it was just full of shit. The toilet was in the basement and it was the most terrifying toilet you've ever been in in your life. Like you had to go down a fire escape. It was freezing cold. The light would never fucking work. Or if it did, it flickered. You could have filmed Saw in that toilet. One day during the middle of the day, I had stored a bunch of shit over the years in the office that was next door to mine because it was vacant. It was just full of old desks and stuff. I walked past this one day, like going to get some lunch, come out of my office, walk past the door and there's a woman sitting at one of the desks. She's wearing white. And she's sitting at a chair and she's sorting through some stuff. So, I ascertain this by walking past, half glancing, and then I continue to the stairs. And then I thought, they must be clearing out that office to rent it out. And I've got a bunch of shit in there. I don't want them to throw it away. So, I walk back to go, sorry, I've been storing stuff in here as well. If you guys are doing that, I'll get rid of it. So, it was enough for me to catch myself and walk back. There's no one in there. But I 100% saw someone in there, right? Mm. You know, the X-Files music starts playing in your head and shit. Mm. For some reason, that didn't scare me. So, if it was a ghost or something supernatural, it's obviously not trying to cause me any harm. That was my rationalization. I just kind of went on with my life. However, I was on the third floor of that building. So, I'd started making music when I was in that building. So, I would be in there till like 4 or 5 a.m. just blasting music. And a couple of times... I had the huge fright of, you know, when someone's standing behind you, you get the fucking scared. I didn't see anything, but I was like, I felt it was wooden floored. So, I felt the floor compress and that scared me. But then every time I left the office, I, for some reason, knew I was completely safe on the third floor. I felt at peace on the third floor. But as soon as I got to the second floor, the temperature would drop exponentially. Like that second floor was always freezing. And I would run as like a 30-year-old man. I would run down the fucking hall and I would just not look back. Also, you'd hear really weird bangs in the hallways and stuff. And the hallways were so dark that as you get to the first floor, you'd, you'd be standing like in the top of the next stairwell that went down. I think the hallway was probably 10 meters long and you could only see like two meters of it. And then it was just pure pitch black. So, there could be anything standing in there. And it was old as fuck. So, it was creepy. What ended up happening was the office next door, they did clear it out eventually. They were trying to rent it out. The club stuff was going really well. I was like, you know what? We'll take that office and we will put Parallel Group in there, the company that ran all the clubs. And Johnny was working in there and Bradshaw and all of that. It's where that famous Johnny photo was taken that is in every cafe in Perth. (laughs) I'd done a bunch of stuff in my office and I'd hired some cleaners to come through. I still had a little bit of work to do. So, I just went into the next office which was empty. And we had those hanging lights, you know, almost like stadium, like warehouse lights. There was two of them hanging in there. This is the top floor. So, there's nothing above. I am sitting on the couch in this room and I'll post the video on the fucking social because I got the video. I'm sitting there. There's people next door cleaning, working away on my laptop and the light starts violently shaking, rocking. So, it starts moving a little bit and it's very obvious that it's moving because it's the only light source in the room the door's closed it doesn't really make a lot of sense but it's not super alarming 
within like 30 seconds, this light was moving in like an inhuman way. Like it was bouncing around. There's nothing that could have caused that light to move in that way out of nowhere. Aside from me getting up and like pushing it. And I didn't do that. Obviously, the light in the room is being affected by this light moving around. So, it's sort of starting to somewhat strobe a little bit and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to film this just in case I die. (laughs) But yeah, there's definitely. So, if anyone is at um, 37 Barrack Street on the top floor, I would be so interested to know if you run after hours past the second floor because that shit is terrifying. (laughs) Of all the things, I wouldn't spend a night on that first floor. Yeah, fuck that. I did spend multiple nights on the top floor, though. So, Well, for anyone that has gotten this far in the podcast, if you have any supernatural stories or if you've seen a ghost, please reach out and let me know because I think they're real, bro. I think there's ghosties. The idea of dead people communicating with you, one, because I lost my dad, I'm like, surely he'd have a word. But maybe there's some criteria to, like, not coming. I think there is. But my then, mom went to a fucking psychic and she said some weird shit like about my friend's dead dad. She was like, do you have a son? She's like, yes. He's like, has, she, has he got a friend? Like Stuart or like Steve? She's like, yeah, he's got a Steve. Did his dad die relatively young? And my mom was like, yes. She's like, well, he's here now. And he says to let Steve know that he's good and that he's looking out for him. She named him like by name. The dad, and it was oh, really? weird as fuck. Because my mum didn't even know the guys that my my friend's dad's name. I wonder if those guys data mine, man. Like oh, that's what I'm worried. Like I'm a cynical this, this in that. This was before sense. smartphones, so it would have been very difficult. There was yeah. no. Uh, it would have been MySpace days, like uh, yeah, 2004, shit. 2005. Okay. Um, and I'm skeptical as fuck. I mean, we've all seen that. You know, you're prompting people to give you some shit. You know, but. The way it got told to me, I was like, that's fucking weird, bro. Very interesting. It definitely challenges the idea of what life is. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would be that happy. I mean, we're talking about existential crises and all that. If I die and then I'm just walking around and no one can see me, I'm going to be like, fuck, this is never ending. If I'm dead and no one can see me, I'm going straight to Anna de Armas's house <laughs> and I'm posting up there. <laughs> Isn't that more torture though? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A, man. All right, great. motherfucker. Um, we got more in the bag before I leave, and then there will be future iterations of this um, while I'm away, which we are trialing this week mm. with a remote podcast. So, And all you motherfuckers tuned. have been great, liking, subscribing. Um, we've got a bunch of new subscribers on YouTube, which is fucking sick. You might have also noticed that we have put ads in. I apologize. I know no one likes to see ads, but at the moment, it's actually paying for our hosting. So, if you listen to the ads, thank you, because you're actually making a difference. So, thank you all for listening, and have a great week, and go fuck yourself. Peace. Peace. Bye-bye, 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 bye-